You're going to hate this, but I just thought I'm going to pitch it. <laughs> soft pitch, soft pitch. What if you do a little cocoa powder, mix it with sugar, call me crazy, rim a glass, boom, espresso martini in there. People, we are rimming. <laughs> yeah. We are doing cocoa powder as garnish here, which I appreciate, but I will say that cocoa powder plus liquid does not equal chocolate water, okay? <laughs> like you need to effectively bloom cocoa powder with heat. And I hate to say it, but it's true. All right. Foiled again. Yeah, sorry. Hello, I'm Allison Roman, and welcome to Solicited Advice, the podcast where I get to do what I love most, give advice. Each week, I'm joined by a very special guest and several very special advice seekers as we do our best to solve all or at least one of your problems. Today's guest is Delaney Rowe. You know her, you love her. I personally am not on TikTok, but I've been told she's very big on TikTok. I get all my content the old-fashioned way on Instagram. But you've seen her reels or her TikToks. It's sort of like character trope, little mini sketches of absolutely insufferable female lead of an indie movie. And she nails it every time. She's absolutely hilarious. Uh, She's a comedian. She's an actor. She's a writer. She does it all. Currently working on her first book of essays. Please welcome to the show, Delaney Rowe. I am so excited to have you here because I think you are uh, absolutely hilarious. I've recently found out, unfortunately, that you're too young for me to fully appreciate, but I'll allow it. I get it. Honestly, I get it. You kind of can't trust anybody under the age of, I feel like, 31. Yeah. I'd say 32 is really when things start to get good and you shed a lot of like the youngness. The youth is really <laughs> what, what I'm. They, that's what they you know. say about men. Men say they, they say that men aren't shit until they're 31, and that I, you know, oh. I, I, I feel is true. What do they say about women? That women are always perfect and never do anything wrong. Yeah, I've also heard that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the other day on on um, I cooked lamb for a home movies, and I was telling the story about how somebody like didn't follow my recipe because they trust, they asked the butcher and the butcher was like, no, you can't cook it for that long or like, you can't do that that way or something. And I, my first question was, well, is it, was it a man? Like who was telling you this? And the vitriol in the comment section from people being like, you and your sexist humor and like, how dare you? And like, I didn't come here for the man hatred. I'm like, yeah, justice for men. Like, what are we talking about? Don't you just love the internet? No. How, do, how are you, like, you are a very much online person and your yeah. output is like pretty stupendous. And like, what's Thank your, you so um, I'm, this is me asking you for advice maybe, but I'm like, what's your, what's your vibe on like comment section and like how much you allow to intake from oh my the world God. as I, much as you output? What a great question. And I really am struggling with it. I'm not great. I'm not great, but I have set up like a few boundaries, which are, I do not go on Reddit. I would never do that to myself. Oh, I, no. I, I'd sooner, Didn't you know, know like slice myself with a million paper cuts and then sit in a tub of lemon juice than even go on Reddit for 10 minutes. And that's no hyperbole. Yeah, don't do it. And then I, I will um, stop reading TikTok comments, I would say, after the first three to five hours of a bit a video being up. I like to see like, I think, I think the OGs flock to your content within those first few hours. And then after a while it starts, mm-hmm. it, it becomes the wild west. And then you kind of have to 
yeah. look away, look away. Um, and then for Instagram, I, I find Instagram to be like way cozier and I don't have too much of an issue there. But, you know, there was a, there was a time where I wouldn't look at any sort of, you know how there's two uh, folders for DMs? There's like the first the first yes. level and then there's, there's the three. second level. I have three folders. You have three? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, yes. No, there's your friends. Yeah. And then there's people trying to get in contact with you and then there's that third level. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of okay. people that you've never been in contact with. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. So I try not to go that deep yeah. into, the fo- into, into the files. <laughs> but I don't know. It's what tough. about you? Give me a tip. Give me like, let's, let's, let's. Let's share. Trade info. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good advice about the like not checking after a certain amount of time because sometimes, especially on YouTube, which is like very much its own sort of platform in terms of like, I mean, I guess they all are very, they all have their own sort of unique community, if you will. But like Mm -hmm. YouTube people are like, they, they end up there when they didn't mean to be there sometimes, like after a certain (laughs) amount of time. You know what I mean? Like very rarely is somebody like discovering you and then like going into your... Oh, I guess that does happen. But it's people being like, who are you and why am I here? And they'll mm-hmm. say that to me. And I'm no. like, I don't know. Who are you and why are you here? You know, exactly. Do you want to get a drink or something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think like me understanding that like, would I still be doing this thing? Would I still be behaving as I am if nobody were there to weigh in on whether or not they liked it? And I Oof. think like having to sort, can you hear that by the way? Just full transparency to the listener, we've had now to record this intro two times. But in the original intro, I was telling Allison that I've been like firmly planted in the Allison Roman sphere for many years now. And we've actually been sort of ships in the night. Well, if, you know, my ship was watching your ship, yours probably wasn't watching mine. But I saw you (laughs) a, a few months ago at Justa. And you, oh. I just, yeah, do stuff. And you were, you know, it was yeah, so crowded. Yeah, why didn't you say hi? Because I was scared and nervous and I was like, she oh looks busy. You, you know, you were, you were clutching your baguette. You were on your way out. And I just sort of, you know. I was busy. Yeah. What were you, do you remember what you were here for? Where was I going? Why was I adjusted to getting a baguette? Why wouldn't you be? I'm trying to think. I was like going and I told someone I would, I don't know. I said I was like bringing bread to something, but like. I'm trying to think of all the times I've been in LA the last few months, why I was there just getting a baguette. But I think I do remember, it's like one of those things where someone says, you're like, what can I bring? And someone says, oh, actually, if you like happen to pass a bakery and like get bread or whatever, that's fine. And I take that to mean, go out of your way, sit three hours in traffic to find the best baguette you can bring and you bring that baguette. Like I'm not taking that directive casually. Yes. So I'm going to go to Juicy, even though I probably had no business in the neighborhood and like, yeah, inconvenience myself for the sake of bringing the best baguette I could find. Yes. And I think I was just knowing myself, I was probably so hungover. I, and I was probably so hungover and I was like, I can't, I can't fathom this interaction not going perfectly. Like I wouldn't be able to handle that right now in my hungover state. So I was like, mm. I, best not to say anything. I think that's what I had yeah. relegated to. Then the second time was... At the Swan Room, like a few weeks ago, like four weeks ago. Oh, fun. Maybe. Yes. And yes. I, I, you, okay, th- this is validated. I, I, you were there. Was I with like a group of ladies? You were, yes, you were with Nomi. Oh, Fry. no, I was with one person. Really? Yes. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. 
Yes. Well, I was there twice and, and once was with one person, once with a, was with the group and Nomi was one of those people. Yeah, okay, with Susan. It was for Susan's birthday. And, yes, and I didn't, I didn't, yeah, no, truly I felt, <laughs> felt left out. Um, and then, then that time I was like, maybe now's my time because I'm, you know, I'm doing her podcast and then I, I fucking chickened out. That's okay. I, I was like there for not that long either. I was there for like 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. double booked by accident, but it was like a in and out situation. So, but next time I swear to God, if you don't, because I, I didn't see you either time. And so I have a thing where like, if I see somebody, I feel like I'm always the person to make the first move because I feel, I don't know why, I just do. But this just this morning, I saw someone on the street that I didn't really want to see. No. And not that I didn't want to see. I just was like, I was running late for an appointment. I got my haircut. Thanks for noticing. That's great. I was like running late for an appointment. And this was someone I hadn't seen in a really long time was shocked to find them in my neighborhood because they don't live in the area. And I was with my husband and we were walking to the train and I was like, we didn't say anything to each other. We just walked right by each other. But I didn't notice her until like second four. Like I was like, oh, I looked up and there she was, but I had my sunglasses on and I was like, okay. And I was like, thank God we didn't have to say hi. Like, I don't think she saw me. And Max was like, oh, I think everyone always sees each other. And I was like, that's not true. And he's like, I think it is true. I think if you're walking down the street and you see someone and you're like, don't want to say hi and you're banking on like, oh, they're not going to be the one to say hi. I don't want to say hi. Maybe they didn't see me. And Mm -hmm. he's like, everyone always sees each other, I think. But I I hope that's not true. But in your case, I really didn't see you. But we were also not walking. We were static. I was, yeah, I think I was, you know, like shrouded in the sexy corner of uh, Swan, Swan Bar that night. Were you on a date? I wasn't. I was with one of my male friends, though, who was gay. Mm. We, were, we were waiting to go to Kiki's. Oh, yeah, classic. And so we popped in. That's a really good high-low evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you'll spend like $200 in a night if you go to both Swan Room and Kiki's, but 175 of those dollars will be spent at Swan Room and mm-hmm. 25 will be spent at Kiki's. But if you're like, I have this much money to spend tonight... You can really do it both ways, but just know that it's not going to be equal. And you'll okay. get like so much more at Kiki's than you will at Swan Room. I like Swan Room. I want us to talk about Nine Orchard while we're here because I, I it, this is a great segue into discussing what I'm sure you're probably over, but can we talk about your wedding a little bit? Oh, I would love to talk about my wedding. I love talking about it. Yeah, I'm finally in a place where it's fun to talk about. Fuck yeah. Okay, because it was... A perfect wedding, and I had questions because you know, you know, I I read the Vogue coverage of it, and it was so sweet. And I was wondering about Prune. I thought Prune had closed. Am mm. I crazy? What happened there? What's the story of Prune? No, they did close. She did close, but she does open for private events. Oh my god! So amazing. I like to think that I'm special, and that like she wouldn't do it for anyone but me. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. If you want to go there, you can do that, but you okay. have to book in advance and it's like a price per person, or I think it might just be a flat rate to buy it out. It's smaller than it was before that she took out some tables and chairs. So I think it's like 25 person max. Mm-hmm. I hope she won't kill me for saying this, that you can do this, but I didn't think it was a secret. I think it's just not like well publicized because she's also like, she's still teaching full time. I think she's working on another book. I think she's like pretty busy and also feels free to like turn shit down. She's just like, oh yeah, I don't want to do that. So I think like 
it's not like a regular restaurant where you can just like book and if they're open, you can get in. I think she's just like, what are your dates? Like, what are you, when are you thinking how many people? Amazing. But yeah, she just like cooked whatever she wanted and it was amazing and perfect. And I think of all the things that I did for my wedding, that felt like the dreamiest because I hadn't been to Prune for so long and it is my favorite restaurant in the world. And mm-hmm. like, you can't just go back there whenever you want. And like, not everyone yeah. can just go whenever they want. So it felt really special. And also like, did that really happen? And like, it's very gauzy. You know oh what I mean? Oh my God. It's, yeah, it, it, it was gorgeous. Yeah, and really I, nice. you actually introduced me to Prune in your first cookbook. And then I got into it. And then I read Blood, Bones, and Butter. And then I like really got into like the Gabrielle oh, Hamilton yeah. sphere. I feel like I see that for you doing a book, a proper book that isn't a cookbook. Would you ever do that? My God. Yeah. Are you my new therapist PR I agent? hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I just like, I. everyone would love that. Thank you for this ego boost. I think that's what people want. That is in the cards. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I think that right now I'm like on the precipice of doing another cookbook and then figuring out where like the book of essays fits in. But I have to, the cookbook is sold because it was part of a <gasps> two book deal for my last book. And then the the book of essays is not yet sold. So if you're listening and you want to buy that book, call me. Um, yes. I have a great book agent. He'll he'll probably do that for me. Can you t- talk about it at all? Or are you not allowed? Uh, I'm not not allowed. It's more that I don't. I'm not ready to. I don't have my. I respect like, that. I respect that. Cinched, <laughs> like yeah, yeah I, it's still percolating. If I'm honest, which is like code for I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I stopped doing that. I basically like spent the whole year doing so much and didn't talk about any of it before it Mm -hmm. happened. And I felt like I was taking a real like, you know, I was like, who who is the best at what they do and how do they handle their work? And I'm like, oh, it's Beyonce. It's Taylor Swift. It's like several people that just are like, oh, surprise, I did this thing. Not like I'm doing this thing and it's coming out in eight months or it's coming out next year and like da 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 da. It's like, no, like I did this thing and it's out today or I did this thing and it's out tomorrow. Like, surprise, I got married. Surprise, I launched a podcast. Surprise, I opened a store. It was more, it was just so much easier and manageable to talk about something once it had happened rather than like in the abstract and then also probably putting too much pressure on myself to like deliver that thing. But if there's no expectations, people are just delighted to have the thing. Yep. That is maybe some of the best advice I've ever been given. That just hit me. Talk about a therapy session. That just hit me. Like, <laughs> look at people who are great yeah. at what they do. Oh God, I've not been good at that recently. I'm now. Yeah. I'm, I, I've just changed. I've just changed <laughs> right now. You're I'm watching different. it live. <laughs> I think it's time for our first caller, which I'm very excited about. I have no idea what the question is, but I know it's going to be good. Ooh, I'm too. Maddie, welcome to the show. How can we help you today? Thank you. So I just wanted to say it's so great to meet both of you. Delaney, my brother, literally sent me one of your TikToks like two weeks ago. Oh my God. So this is really cool. Thank you. So Allison, I've been watching your videos since 2020. Nice. And I've been really enjoying like hosting dinner parties. I'm 24. And so my question is, how do you host a dinner party on a budget? And when you were in your 20s, did you host dinner parties? And how did you do that? Yeah, I love this question. And I feel like it's a thing that people feel like sheepish about asking or like 
I don't know. It's like a thing that most people are wondering. And I, I think it doesn't even matter if you're 24 or 34 or 44. Like I think at any age, you're sort of like, this is expensive. This is like a lot of money to do. Mm-hmm. And to answer your first question, or I guess second question, I did do it in my 20s. And it's funny because I was, I forget where I was talking about this, but like when I wrote Dining In, I was 31 mm-hmm. or 30. Yeah, I was 30. One, yeah. And so I was using basically all of my experience from being in my early 20s, late 20s to write that book. And it wasn't until like I got a little bit older and wrote the second book that I was like, oh, that's actually more my speed. And I think a lot of it was just like financially prohibitive for me. Mm -hmm. But I think like the best way to do it is to like do a lot of one pot things it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be meat focused, but meat is often like the most expensive thing on the table, right? So if you're like, okay, if I can just make more vegetables and I can like bulk things up with like a grain and a vegetable and a thing and a that, it's not like you feel like you have to buy three chickens, which now will run you like $75. I think the other tip is like ask people to bring stuff. I mean, that, that is with the caveat that you're not like a control freak. Like me, I'm like, don't bring anything because... That's how I because, am. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well then I'll, I'll, I won't address that part. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like making sure that you have a balance of stuff on the table that like, I'm a big fan of like one big pot of something and then like many tiny bowls of toppings or garnishes or sauces or whatever, because it kind of makes everything feel abundant and like luxurious without actually feeling like you're spending money on an ingredient. Mm -hmm. Delaney, you are also a cook. What is your advice here? Thank you for calling me that. Um, I (laughs) am a very big hostess as well. And so I did throw dinner parties when I was 24 and, and younger. And I mean, this is a tip that is sort of crazy and I wouldn't recommend it now. But I look back in the day, I like didn't care about like skin. When you were 24, anything goes. Anything you know, goes. Like <laughs> young, wild, and free. I would buy like the gross bag of lettuce at Trader Joe's. Like I just would. Now I wouldn't do that. But back in the day, like finding the things that you're willing to cut corners on with money, I think is good. Like beer, get like cheaper beer. Like I would, I would get cheaper liquor, you know, because those things nobody cares about. You know what I mean? Uh, so be selective with what you want to splurge on. But but the truth is nobody cares because you're feeding them. You're mm-hmm. hosting them. People are so excited to be invited to something that nobody is paying attention that you have the nicest brand of canned tuna or anchovies or whatever. Mm-hmm. 24-year-olds don't know. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> when I was 24, I like couldn't read. Like I, I like didn't even know how to read. Yeah. So that's how I, I felt. Read. Okay, exactly. She's so, learning right now, actually, in real time. <laughs> um, and then my other tip was like, yes, lean into the sort of like lo-fi, fun, like, you know, potluck DIY nature of like having people together. Like I did, and like to Allison's, tip. I did something probably around 23, 24, where I had a bunch of people over and I made like a massive broth. And that was really cheap to make big pot of broth. And then a Mm -hmm. bunch of little bowls of stuff for ramen. Like I had noodles in one big bowl and then toppings and stuff like that. And I did like a make your own ramen bowl night. That was so cheap. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding like the, the festive nature of 
of like a, like a cheaper evening. I I think that can be really fun and Mm -hmm. also so relaxed. Like it doesn't mean that it's a worse party because you're trying to save money. Usually it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also save everything. I like, I think we just talked about it on like, whatever. I'm always talking about this because it's still there, but I have a ham in my freezer still (laughs) from last year. And guess what? That ham is coming out in like two days for Saturday. Ham party, ham party. Not to say that keeping a giant ham in your freezer is like a cool way to save money, but it's more like I, when I have people over, I'm like, oh, like I have this like random, like, you know, one pound bag of like ground meat. I'll stretch that with like three cans of tomato sauce and make Mm -hmm. like a da-da-da-da. Like, I think just kind of like using what you have and not always feeling pressure to go to the grocery store, which is like another argument for having like a super stocked, wonderful pantry and freezer because it's like making do with what you have will make whatever it is that you make for people that night feel a lot more affordable. You're like, oh, I didn't actually spend that much money. I spent like 20 bucks getting some herbs and lemons and whatever, but everything else I had. And yeah, so I feel like that is the way to go and like using every part of a vegetable, like tiny tips like that, which can be annoying if you're like, what do I do with the with this part of something? But I don't know. I find that like my biggest costs are always meat and dairy. And like Delaney said, I always make that conscious choice to say like, I'm going to spend a lot of money on this piece of whatever. I could get it cheaper, but it's important to me to spend the money on the nice meat because I think it's mm-hmm. like a trickle down, vote with your dollars mm-hmm. situation. But like my bag of onions, I don't care where those are from necessarily. Not that I don't care, but it's to me less important when you're cutting it, sweating it down, covering it with the thing. Like it becomes something else. But meat, fish, dairy, they're tougher to be masqueraded. So like say that's where the bulk of my money is going to go. Everything else is going to be pantry. One one frozen ham, (laughs) Um, (laughs) stuff like that. Also, did you see, this is back to actually Gabrielle Hamilton, she did this thing where she took all the ends of zucchinis and she like, you know, that you cut off Mm -hmm. when you're preparing zucchini and she like boiled them and then served them with like really nice olive oil and like salt as like a really special VIP dish. And that was like in, you know, one of the docu-series that somebody did on her. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's like, you know, these basic virtually like food scraps that you kind of, just decide to make more chic. (laughs) And I like, that's just like a great lesson of like, it works if you work it, just be confident. You're making people stuff. They will accept it. That's so true. And I think that like knowing that going in, you can also say like, how much money would I have spent at a restaurant? Mm -hmm. And like, that's how I always justified it. I always justified the cost knowing that even if it was more money than I wanted to spend cooking dinner, it was still going to be less money than going out to dinner. Yeah, that's true. Is there anything else besides sort of the money that is like maybe preventing you from hosting more? I mean, I just feel like there's in this like social media world that we live in, there's a lot of pressure on something like a small event. Like Delaney, you were describing it as like, it's more fun when it's scaled down. And I feel like that can be hard to remember because everything mm. seems like this big thing, I think, due to the nature of social media. Like you feel pressure, you feel yeah. pressure for the event to be bigger than you want it to be? Yes. Like more people or more elaborate? I think just more elaborate, like feeling like it needs to be like a movie or something. 
Yeah, it fucking <laughs> sucks. And I'll let Delaney weigh in as well. But like, as a person who literally does this for a living, who's mm-hmm. very good at what they do, the food is great, the vibes are awesome, the whatever, like my response to making sure that I stopped feeling pressure about how it looked was I honestly just stopped documenting it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my favorite parties, there's like no photos of. And I'm not spending the time like making a reel to be like, my cool dinner party. It's like, no, like I'm too busy actually having a good time. And yeah. I think that that can be okay. But it is very hard to divorce yourself from the idea that it has to look a certain way. I, It was literally like... the whatever, my wedding was like the biggest version of that for me where I was like, was it enough? Was it big enough? Was it this enough? Did it look fun enough? Was it elaborate enough? And it was like, oh my God, like I would never ask myself those questions if I wasn't just so acutely aware of how many people were going to see it. And so once you eliminate the idea that anyone's going to see it, you are so much more relaxed and free to move about the cabin freely, if you will, spiritually, (laughs) and actually just like live the way that you want. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think that's like pretty baller. I think that's like, if you're like, oh, actually like my parties are so good that like we're not even taking pictures, you know? And like kind of, that's kind of a flex in its own way or like the shittier the photo, the better the party or something. But like, if that's also not something you're inclined to do and that's like not how you want to spend your time, don't do it because it's not going to make a better party. Just I've seen so many photos of so many parties and I'll ask somebody who was there, how was it? And they're like, it was so lame. Mm-hmm. It was so boring. Nobody danced. It was weird. Nobody talked to each other. Mm-hmm. The music was bizarre. Like, you just can't know. And I, I think it's so much more important that we at least try to focus on actually having a good time and actually throwing a good party than looking like we're throwing a good party or looking like we're having a good time. So true. I haven't taken a photo in years. I literally like <laughs> the only evidence that I've had people over is is from like another friend's camera or like um I have like disposables that some mm-hmm. people will get their hands on every now and then again haven't even developed those so my dinner parties virtually don't exist I I'm feel very busy anyways like when I'm really into it I'm drinking, I'm cooking, I'm trying to talk to people and also do that. Like, you know, so I'm, I think at this point I'm kind of over it, but I do understand the pressure you do, you know, when you spend money on something and you put effort into it, it is nice to have documentation of that. Um, but I don't know, maybe your angle on social media, could be mystery. People just hear about Maddie Chambers's amazing parties and <laughs> they won't see it. <laughs> I got, it's like the Met Gala bathroom vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No photos allowed, please. It's like mm-hmm. the swan room. Like mm-hmm. we're not taking photos, but we're taking photos, you know? <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I, I think that that's okay. And just try to retrain our brain in everything that we do from dinner parties to vacations to at literally anything of like, unless it's your job and someone's paying you to do it, you don't actually have to post a photo. Mm-hmm. So in conclusion, Maddie, I think uh, keep a whole ham in your freezer. No, just kidding. More tiny bowls of things, fewer photos, and you'll have a great party and it'll be cost effective and you won't feel the pressure. Thank you. Or or at least like keep that front of mind. Focus on the food, not on what it looks like it is. Mm. I agree. I hope that's helpful. That is helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so young. I appreciate you. <laughs> I do my best. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye, buddy. I loved her. She was so sweet. So sweet. And I feel like 
you know, mo- most people have that concern regardless of their age, you know, or just like, mm-hmm. wow, I just did all that and it cost so much money. And we've had a certain, we've had a caller before that was sort of like asking like, how do I host without expecting from other people like to contribute or like right. make it, you know, like I feel like I'm giving so much of my energy, of my money, of my time, of my home and like it's not being reciprocated. And I feel like those are a lot of phases of like being in your early to mid twenties of being like, oh, yeah. I like hosting. I like cooking. I'm good at it. I like hosting. I'm good at it. But after a minute, you're like, wait, A, this is really expensive. B, like, am I going to be the only one to do it? Like, am I always going to spend money on other people? Because even if, even as painful as it is financially, like, I don't believe in being like, do you want to come over for dinner? That's $20. But like, oh, there are no. ways Hell to kind of no. We're not doing that. alleviate the burden. Yeah, I'm like you in that way where I don't let anybody do anything. And I think, yeah, when I was younger, I was like, mm, like kind of smug about that. But now I really like it. And now I feel rewarded yeah. for that behavior by being the house everybody comes over to. You know, that's such a reward. Yeah. You don't have to go anywhere. People come that's to you nice. if you do that. Um, and then also what resonated with me when you were saying like your output on social media is you know, gone down by like 90%. I I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like there's like that, this like groundswell movement towards like less is more on social media. It's happening right now. Like I post like so much more rarely and it, I think it hits harder. And I, I think that it, it is true whether you're doing social media as a career or just to like show your friends what's going on. Like <laughs> mystery is not overrated. Yeah. Mystery is hot. Okay, I think it's time for our next caller. Lexi, welcome to the show. How can we help you today? Thank you guys so much for having me. I do have to say, Allison, huge fan. Delaney, also huge fan. So I feel like so this nice. is really a... It's, it's, it, honestly, it's a dream team for me. Oh. I agree. Thanks. And I do, I wish we were meeting under better circumstances, but I am here to ask about a breakup question. Um, yeah. So, I mean, let's just, let's get right into it. Okay. Okay. So. I'm sorry to hear that, but maybe we're not. Sorry to hear that. And we're going to let the story unfold and then we'll we'll try to help. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming there's going to be maybe some follow-up context questions. And yeah. <laughs> I got, I got every detail you need. Um, okay. Fantastic. Okay. So essentially... Mm-hmm. My boyfriend and I broke up for two reasons. And the first reason is going to be that we started talking about like life goals, plans, future visions. And it seemed like at the time we like might not be aligned for our future. Um, I have a really like concrete vision of I feel like what I'm going to end up doing. And his is a little bit more unclear right now. He's going through a little bit of like a a career transition and he doesn't want to lean on anyone else to kind of find his way, which I like totally understand and appreciate. And then the second reason we broke up is because we had both just gotten out of pretty long-term serious relationships and we jumped like pretty much right into us dating. Wasn't really the plan, but after dating for a year, we kind of came together and we were like, okay, we need to take some time to just like appreciate being alone, try and get comfortable with it. And to work on like some pretty, you know, common, I think like personal growth goals. Mm -hmm. But there's still this undercurrent now of like, 
if we figured out the clarity of the future, if we worked on ourselves, like we could get back together. Like the relationship was amazing. We still care about each other so much. So the question is, how do we navigate the present moment? How do we navigate the now? And what I've kind of come up with is like, there's two different paths we could take. The first one being more like regulated scheduled check-ins. Like every month, every few weeks, we're kind of like, hey, how's it moving? How we doing? Second option is like full stop, full boundary, no contact. See you later, maybe see you never. Like if we did come back around, it would have to be very like much more organic, like kind of like spontaneous thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what you guys think, what you would do. Are the check-ins harmful? Like what's the, what do you think? Mm, juicy. Um, well, <laughs> first question, how long were you together? We were together for a year. Okay. And how, how, this was two months ago you broke up? Yes. Okay. So I guess my first question is because you say that it was a great relationship you were happy, but like ultimately you felt like your goals weren't aligned, mm-hmm. right? Is that kind of the TLDR? Right. And it's mm-hmm. more like I, so like a little bit more background, like I eventually want to move out of the city. I want to like start a farm project with my sister. And that's a very specific lifestyle in the country. Yes. And he just doesn't know if that would be like a full body yes for him. So that's where like the vision alignment I think is coming from. Yeah. I mean, my instinct is that like, if you find a person that you're attracted to, that you like spending time with, that's good to you, that makes you feel good, that like, even if you're like not wanting the exact same things, that can always be worked out. There are certain things that like, that's not enough where you're like, oh, I want kids. They don't want kids. Or I want to be a farmer and I want to be an investment banker. Like certain lifestyles that just like, you might not ever find a compatibility with. But that said, I sort of feel like it seems to me too premature to end a relationship based on a future that doesn't exist. Yeah. There's that. There's also the like, don't be foolish and get so deep into something if you know that ultimately it might not work out. But that said, like people change so much in their life and with their goals and want different things and find ways to make things work of like, oh, well, I actually live here, but I work remotely here and it works out because my partner, they need to be here, but I don't need to be physically anywhere. So we found a compromise or this, that, and the other. But like, it feels like unless you're trying to meet other people, there's no reason why you need like a hard stop. But then I'm also like, why did you, like, why not be like, should we just slowly kind of start dating each other again and see if there's a there there. Yeah. Unless you're like, I actually don't want that and I do want to be broken up, then I would say then like hard stop because otherwise it could continue forever in this really like foggy, nebulous sort of zone, which will prevent you from meeting somebody new because you're sort of like not available literally or figuratively. Mm -hmm. And like being alone with a lifeline is not really being alone. Do you want to be with this person or are you not sure? I mean, as it stands now, yes. Like we've been broken up for two months and we've been doing like the two-week check-ins. And it's been Mm -hmm. so hard to be apart because like nothing feels wrong. Like we, it still feels like a great relationship. So it it feels like a real struggle to be apart. Of course it does. Of course it does. 
Okay. It sucks, but I think it will. The reason why it feels so hard to be apart is because of the check-ins, probably. Okay. I feel like if you were to try no contact, that could change everything. And it is initially so much harder, but I think it provides so much more clarity. Like the only good breakups I've ever had where we've become friends years later it's because we had that nice kind of respectful, clean break like that. I I think that the check-ins for me would be pretty unbearable and, and, and really yeah, hard to find out what you really want. I, so I, it was my instinct initially to tell you that you should try option two, which is some time with no contact. Because if if you really can't do that after a month, two months, you'll know that like, okay, something really is missing. Like, let's, let's maybe figure it out. But I think you got to try it. Yeah, I agree. I also think there's people in our lives where we're like, wow, I really loved this person. They were great, but they weren't great for me in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, we just were never going to be aligned and that wasn't going to make for a happy lifestyle. But like, I love this person. They're great. They're going to find like their great partner. I'm going to find my great partner. But like, I think when we're younger, we value like, do I get along with this person? Do I like them? Am I attracted to them? And then as we get older, it also becomes a question of like, but are our needs, wants, desires, goals aligned? Because ultimately, if those things are not compatible, a lot of friction can develop. And like, that's when things can become harder than they ought to be or, or need to be. Not to say that it can't be done. I don't know a lot of couples that have completely different lifestyles that met when they were really young, sort of grew together into saying like, okay, well, this is not where we started, but this is where we are. Like, And there was those check-ins of being like, okay, well, here we are now. Are we going to move forward? So like, that's why I sort of said like, if you want to be with him now, I, th- I think, you know, depending on what his vibe is, like there's a way to work that out where you're like, I know we may be going in two different directions, but as long as we're very honest about each step of the way, we can like see how far that can take us. Or if it's a lot more like, well, I know that I'm moving next year and I know that he's never going to, then it might just be like a hard stop, be by yourself. And like, if in a year's time, you find yourself in a different circumstance or someone changes their mind or you you find like, I know this is crazy, but we're going to make it work because we just can't be without each other. But mm-hmm. like, it sort of just seems like, regardless of the approach, I think we all agree or Delaney and I agree that like, <laughs> the check-in is like dragging something out that like feels painful. Also, you're not going to really fully be able to check in with yourself to see what you want because you're always going to sort of be thinking about the check-in or how did the check-in go? Or like, does he still want to be with you? Like, like, yeah. what if he doesn't want to be with me? And even if you didn't want to be with him, you're like, well, wait, why don't you want to be with me? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, you're not really allowed to like fully just commit to being like, this isn't working right now. And I'm going to like continue my path meet my goals, start this farm project, like fully live your life in the way that is meaningful to you without the pressure of like, does this align with another person? Didn't you also say that you have just gotten out of a relationship, you had both gotten out of relationships and then started dating? Yeah. Okay. Did you have any real time like being single? Not really, no. And he, he didn't either. So that is something that like, even in the two months we've been apart has felt really good that we've both recognized. It's just like, 
learning how to be alone has like that in and of itself has been like a nice first step. But it is hard with the check-ins because it is kind of like a stutter stop of like it's, you know, it's going to get better because you're going to see them in two weeks. Yeah, it's like a security blanket thing. And I think the pain or anxiety or difficulty of being alone is always worth it. And Mm -hmm. it can feel like the worst thing on the earth. And you're like, well, if I could just fix it. And if you have that option to quote, just fix it by picking up the phone or texting or whatever, like you're not like really getting through it. You're going around it. And whatever it is will always be there. And so like, it's like, it is quick fix versus like long-term solution. It's like, are you getting better or are you like sort of spot fixing like the, like, what am I, what am I trying to say? Like, are you like curing the symptoms or are you like curing the illness or something? That might be a little mm-hmm. dramatic. But like, <laughs> everyone's you know dying. Know I mean? It's love, like, baby. <laughs> you're like, yeah, exactly. We're all sick. But you're like, oh, am I like feeling better right now? But long-term I'm still like dealing with this thing. I think sometimes you got to like ride it. You got to like go through it. The only way through it is through it. Mm-hmm. The wise person once said to me. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of value in that. And you might come out the other side being like, oh, wow, like without the anxiety of feeling alone or like what's going to happen with this person, I'm actually realizing that like, it's not the right relationship for me. Mm-hmm. And I just think regardless at any age, especially after any sort of long relationship, being alone is the most valuable thing you can do for yourself and any future relationship, whether it's with that person again or with a new person that you haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. Also, single life is really fun. Like you might love it. It is so fun. I've had like the best two years of my life being single. Lexi, how long has it been since you've been single? I mean, before this relationship, I was in like a pretty serious three year. I've like kind of always had someone, you know, I'm a serial dater and that is something that I don't like about myself. And I want time to just like settle into it a little bit. Well, that's okay. We don't, yeah. I I think that you can still, that can just be a part of yourself that is your history and your past and a thing that you have done, but it doesn't have to define you. You don't have to say like, I'm Lexi and I'm a serial dater. You can say I'm Lexi and I have been monogamous historically, but it doesn't have to define you. Yeah, It doesn't have to be who you are. But I do think that like, there's a lot of phases that we go through and like learning to say no, learning to say like, I went out with this person. They were clearly into me. I'm like kind of on the fence, but like, I guess I'll keep seeing them because there's interest in what if I'm alone forever? Like the power of being like, oh, I went out with this person. They were a little bit into me. Not really for me. And Mm -hmm. saying, no, thank you. I'd rather be alone than be with somebody that's not like truly fitting for me. Right. There's so much power and independence in there. And you, you are so much more ready to like make the decision on like who you want in the end. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been thinking about. Because like now people have to compete with me and my time and my company. And like, that's up here. So if you don't meet that, then there's no, you know, that's kind of, that's yeah. it. And also being single doesn't always mean dating. Being single right. can mean spending more time with your friends, spending more time alone, spending more time with your family. I have a friend who's like, when we first became friends, she had been single for a very, very long time, like years and years and years and years. And I was definitely more of like a single on and on, off again, lots of dating, da, da, da. And she always, she taught me something really valuable about treating friends and friendships like romance and romantic dating. 
And it changed my perspective on being single for the rest of my life. Even now as a married person, I still try to think about my friendships and my relationships with my friends as as important as I would once have viewed romance or dating. And knowing that that's there to sort of like feed the soul in the same way that we usually reserve for like romance and dating can help you become single in a really different way. That's like Mm -hmm. beautiful and as fulfilling. And you're like, oh... Being single doesn't mean like being on all the apps and like going on three dates a week and being like, oh, I'm exhausted because that is exhausting. It's like you're going on a job interview every day. You're like, this sucks. Mm -hmm. But reinvesting yourself into someone who already knows you also helps to get you to know yourself better. Like it's like a really special time. I'm not worried about you, Lexi. You have a like a strong sense (laughs) of self. You like that thing that you said about people having to then compete with the full life that you've created. That's you're like already at the place that you need to be. Like, that's really a mature thing (laughs) to say. You're doing great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else we can help you with? I don't think so, guys. I think this was really, I mean, this was super helpful. Honestly, everybody, I haven't, I feel like I haven't gotten concrete, like real advice on this yet. And that is obviously something I've been looking for. The final check-in, I guess, as we're going to call it, is scheduled for this evening. So I'm going to relay Uh-oh. all this information and we're going we're gonna to see how it goes. <laughs> My final parting words for you, and this is like as someone who doesn't know you beyond the last like 15 minutes, but like I'm hearing a lot of like schedule, plan, calendar. I'm getting like Virgo, from Virgo to person, I'm getting Virgo vibes. I'm getting Capricorn energy. I'm getting like, we are going to do things and we are going to put it in the books. It's like, Maybe also take this time to be like, I'm not going to put a deadline on this and I'm not going to put a parameter around it. I'm not going to like make a choice to like have hard edges here. Like, you know, allow yourself to kind of free Mm -hmm. it up a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I feel like my desire to have control is what's essentially helping me feel better. And I just have to let that go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be really freeing. And it can also be a lifelong pursuit. I am 38 years young and I am still working on it every day. It is like a huge goal of mine and it might take me the rest of my life. But I think trying to embrace lack of control because knowing that you're actually never in control is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you guys so much. It was so nice to meet both of you. Bye. Wait, hold on. You're a Virgo, Allison? Yeah. Are you? Oh, yeah. Makes so much sense. (laughs) Wait, when's your birthday? September 8th. Nice. That was my wedding anniversary. (gasps) Right. It was. I remember thinking that. It was. It is my wedding anniversary. (laughs) We were still married. It's only been three months. Oh, thank Um, God. September 1st is my my birthday. Oh, my God. Amazing. It's tough out there being a Virgo. On every... And tell me if you agree, but like every meme generator that's like astrology focused. It's always like, Aries, you crazy bitch. Like we love your wild style. It's like, <laughs> like Leo, you're so sexy. And like, dur, dur, dur. and it's like Capricorn, like don't mess with me. Like, I, and they're always like Virgo, like loves a spreadsheet, doesn't have fun, like hates everything is judgmental. And I'm like, okay, boo. Right. We're the most hated sign. Somebody said that to me once. I think- I think we might be. And it's like- That's fine. Justice for Virgos. We're like, again, whatever. But like, it just, that's when I'm like, astrology isn't real, even though I don't believe that. 
Right. I I don't identify with like that type of rigidity as a Virgo. I think people get it really wrong. Like it's way actually, I think more um, like insidious than loving organization. It's something about like deep inside. We like, we feel like we can't delegate. Like we have to drive the ship in order to be having a good time, which is... (laughs) crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's something deep within us that knows that we're better, that yeah. we're doing a good job. And if people just right. let us do our job and be in charge, that everything will be fine. A hundred percent. And yeah, it's I'm crazy. not like out here. I'm actually so disorganized. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know where anything is. My apartment's a fucking mess. Like right. I, my purse is crazy. I don't have a wallet. Like nothing about me says Virgo, except my desire to like, be like, I have a plan and I'm going to execute that plan. And right. that plan is going to be flawless and it's going to result in me being happy forever. Right. And we're like, put your trust in me. I know how to make everyone have fun. Like, I'm going to nail it. Just let me do it. (laughs) What's your rising and your uh, sun or your moon? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Even though I've done CoStar, I've had friends do it for me a million times. Yeah, I I, I don't know. And I'm not, this is not me being Matt Rife saying that, um, you know, astrology isn't real. I I believe it is real. I just don't... um, I can't remember. See how non-Virgo of me not remembering. <laughs> I think that shows you're a chill Virgo. <laughs> I'm not like other Virgos. I'm a chill Virgo. Oh my God. I'm such a chill um, Virgo. That's a great Instagram great. handle. Chill Virgo. I know. It doesn't exist. Not to not to bring her up again, but Beyonce, also a Virgo. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it all right. She's so. fine. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time for our... Final segment. This is Chef's Kiss. There are hotlines. This is a non-live recorder uh, caller questions. Right. So heavily cooking often based, but like heavily often cooking based. Well, that was not a phrase. You got uh, it. They're often it. heavily cooking focused. There it is. But not always. We did, we landed it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. This is sort of like where the podcast was was born from, was like these sort of quick hitting questions that I was couldn't answer just to one person anymore. So they needed to be for all to hear. Love it. And here we are. Great. Let's do it. Uh, it's Chris Black and Jason Stewart from How Long Gone. And we want to tell you about our summer tour. We're going on tour this summer in America. We're, we're touching all of the important cities uh, this June. Chicago, Toronto, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm looking forward to our new cities, St. Paul and D.C., but we'll be on to some of the major first-tier cities later on in the year. Don't worry. So if you live in L.A. and New York... Hush your mouth. That's it. Just L.A. and New York, but yeah. No, London. London. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, so anyway, howlonggone.com is our website. Tickets are on sale now, and uh, we'll see you out there. Let's take our first chef's kiss caller. Hi, this is Ellie. And Nolan. We're from Toronto. And we have a question for you about preserved lemons. We have been obsessed with the idea of preserved lemons. Because you talk about them all the time. They sound amazing. My mom gave us some. And they just taste really, like, bitter and bad. They kind of, like, overwhelm the taste of our dish. We love lemons, and I feel like it's something we should love. Are preserved lemons just bad? We checked expiration date. Are they supposed to taste, like, really, really bitter? Let us know what you think and how to use them if we don't really love that taste. Thank you. Thank you. 
I feel like this should be called like the uh, preserve lemon show because every time, mm-hmm. uh-huh, that's not, that was a terrible joke. I would never say that really, but it's like every, <laughs> <laughs> I am fired. Wow. Um, that was giving NPR like, mm-hmm. preserve um, lemon show. I feel like, yeah. What is this? The preserve lemon show? Oh my God. Am I right? Um, they, there is a, there is at least one preserve lemon question per show though. Mm-hmm. What do you, okay, well, before I answer, what do you think about preserved lemons? Love them. You know how I know them? You. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. That makes me so happy because I believe in them so strongly. And I think that like what I'm realizing, the bigger my audience grows, the more people I can talk to about cooking and instruct them how to do things, the more questions I get because there are just so many different kitchens and taste buds and preferences and whatever. People hate bitterness. People have no tolerance for it. It is a flavor I love. I embrace it. I cook with it often. I love radicchio. I love lemon, both preserved and raw. I love Campari. I love anything that could be described as bitter. And some people really have an aversion to it, almost like cilantro when they're like, Mm -hmm. I just don't like it. It's genetic. And I'm like, well, that's lying, but whatever. I know. Grow up with that cilantro thing. Yeah. Grow up. Yeah. Come on. What is this, 2004? Like, <laughs> what do you, what do you hate the word moist? Like, let's move on okay. as and a panties. society from being like, I can't, it's genetic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think when people say like, how do I learn to love it? I don't like it. My first piece of advice to these specific people would say, it would be to try a different brand because not every brand of preserved lemons is created equal. Some have like a weird pine salty flavor depending on the quality, because there's like citric acid added to things. Minna is a good brand, I have found. Casablanca Market is also nice. And those are two pretty widely available brands. They're carried at Whole Foods, at least Minna is. And they're not as good as if you make your own. They're not as good as if you go to like a Middle Eastern specialty market, but they're good. And to me, they're not very bitter at all because part of the preserving process is through the salting the lemons become tender, the acidity becomes more dispersed, the bitterness really softens and mellows. So tasting bad or tasting bitter is not an experience that I've had with preserved lemons. My recommendation is try a different brand. And if you're still like, this is the worst thing I've ever tried, there's no recipe or technique or tip I could give you to make you enjoy them. Just be like, they're not for me and accept that and move on. Also, how are you eating them? Like, I'd be curious to know how they're eating them. You know, is it like a like a fork in the jar sitch because I'm not eating them like that. Like they're always in something else. Like what's, what is the ideal way to consume a preserved lemon? Well, to bring it back full circle, they are a garnish for the lamb stew, which may have been cut because of audio cut out. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Delaney makes lamb stew for her gentleman callers. Mm -hmm. Um, Recipe from dining in Mm -hmm. circa 2017. And they're used as sort of like a pick-me-up for the end of the stew process. So like a a perky garnish. I've also put them in salads. I've also crushed them up, finely chopped, put them in yogurt for a sauce. I've, you know, used them in like a vinaigrette. I've scattered them over roasted carrots. Like to me, thinly sliced or finely chopped or kind of crushed into a paste is the best way to enjoy preserved lemon. Agreed. They shouldn't be eaten like an apple. So, right. But I don't know, like, I mean, I'm, I eat salt from a jar. I would take off a hunk of preserved lemon and eat it and find that enjoyable. If you're just like, this is 
untenable for me. Like this is not enjoyable in the least. Then I don't Start know. small. Start small. It's so funny. People are, yeah, people are always like, I hate lamb, but I really want to make your lamb recipe. Do you have any tips? And I'm like, my tip is to not make it. Mm-hmm. Because you you already have the information that you don't like it. And I don't want to be responsible for being like, just try it. I don't know. I'm the just try it bitch. I know I am too, but too many people are like, oh, well, I had a bad time because I told you I didn't like lamb. And I'm like, but you wanted to make the lamb. Oh, you had a bad time. You had one thing you didn't like. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Again, grow up. I know. Imagine. Yeah. I really like, I'm very team try things every few years. That is my team. Try, I try mushrooms every six months just to make sure they're not working for me, but I will never give up. Wow. Because <laughs> I really want to love wow, mushrooms. all mushrooms you don't like? No, not all. I love the flavor. None of them you care for. I love the flavor. I just have sometimes like, I just find myself avoiding them like when they're in a dish, which I think means I don't like them very much. Mm. You know, chewy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of every mushroom. There's like a few types of mushrooms. I don't like the woodier mushrooms, which come in like my favorite Szechuan takeout. It's just like a texture thing for me. And I don't like a slimy mushroom. So if a mushroom isn't like well-prepared and it's like slick with its own <laughs> fungi something, it's like <laughs> With not its it own me. satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you're slick and I don't like mm-hmm. that. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, let's take our next caller. Hey, Allison. This is Sophie, and I'm calling from Los Angeles. And I have a question for you about cocoa powder. So I was tying my pantry this weekend, and I realized I have a bunch of unsweetened cocoa powder. Some of it I purchased myself. Most of it I've gotten as a gift from friends and family. And I really like to use this ingredient before it gets all old and stale. And all that's really coming to mind for me is like brownies and hot cocoa. Anyway, I would love to hear your ideas for how you use cocoa powder in your kitchen. I'm especially curious to hear if you ever use it for savory cooking instead of just sweet. Anyway, thanks so much, Allison. My friends and I are huge fans. It makes us so happy to see you thriving. Thanks so much. Bye. That was so nice. Am I thriving? (laughs) I don't know why I was waiting for her to say like, uh, do you ever use it for personal use? Like, I don't know why I was waiting for that to go in that direction. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was also like, where is this going? <laughs> also, LOL at her receiving cocoa powder as a gift from friends and family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> creative. It's a incredible. thought that counts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe re-gift. If you're like, I'm absolutely swimming in cocoa powder. To answer the questions in reverse, I don't really do a savory cocoa situation. I've seen it happen before. Uh, I've seen it. Where have I seen it? I remember like when I was working at Bon Appetit, somebody made me test a recipe where there was like cocoa powder and like a cocoa vol, like prepar- like preparation, like braised chicken, red wine, cocoa powder. And I'm like, this isn't, I don't like it. It's not for me. It's not to say that it can't be done. It's not something that I probably will, will explore. But a fun way to use cocoa powder is like a recipe that you enjoy that doesn't have cocoa powder in it for baked goods, like a pound cake or a beautiful shortbread, or I have a really good cocoa banana bread recipe that sort of came about this way where like, I'm like, well, this tastes really good. What if it had a little bit of chocolate flavor? And so it's not a, it's not a one-for-one swap for flour, but it is sort of like a two-to-one swap, if that makes sense. So if there's a cup of 
all-purpose flour in the recipe, I would take away a quarter cup of that flour and replace it with basically like a half a cup of cocoa powder. It absorbs liquid a lot differently than flour does. So it's like you can't... I think that's right. I dig that. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> My mind immediately went I, to cocktails because I don't really... I don't bake. I have no use what? for cocoa powder. So I was like, you're going to hate this. But I just... I'm going to pitch it. Um, what if you... <laughs> you mix soft a little... Pitch, soft pitch. Soft pitch. Soft, soft, soft pitch. What if you do a little cocoa powder, mix it with sugar? Call me crazy. Rim a glass. Rim a glass. Boom. Wow. Espresso We're martini rimming. in there. People, we are rimming. <laughs> yeah. Rim so a glass. The thing about martini. cocoa powder, rim job. We are doing cocoa powder as garnish here, which I appreciate. But I will say that cocoa powder plus liquid does not equal chocolate water. Okay. Like you need to effectively bloom cocoa powder with heat. And I hate to say it, but it's true. So, <laughs> like, if using like if you want to make like a chocolate simple syrup for like an espresso martini, like mocha mart mocha martini, okay, mm-hmm. would do mm-hmm. in your in your cocktail program that you're doing your bar program. You have mm-hmm. to like heat it. You have to boil it in water first. It has to like bloom and do a side by side yourself. But if you whisk cocoa powder in water and taste it, you're gonna be like, "What the hell is this?" Sure. Bring cocoa powder and water to a boil. Let it cool. Taste that. You're gonna be like, "Oh, that's good." You All know right. what I mean? Um, also, again. chocolate sauce is really fun. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm like, uh, cocktail class? That's a bad idea. <laughs> it was a wild pitch. I didn't know what to say. I had nothing to contribute, so I just like pulled something out of my ass. And and sometimes That's you have okay. to take it that. That's okay. It led us to mocha martini. <laughs> it led us to mocha it. martini, and I'm grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Allison. This is Bruce from San Francisco calling. And I have more of a comment. I don't know if it's really a question but it lies with the big old turnips that you find. I always find that I bring them home and I'm about to cut them up and put them into some dish. And when I'm cutting them, I notice they smell kind of spicy. But then when you cook it, there is no spice. So my, I guess my question is, what's up with the no spice, but you smell it ahead of time? Let me know. Thanks. That is a question and so niche, like the most niche caller we've ever had. That guy sounded like he was up to no good. Okay, so Bruce, I'm going to tell you something. Turnips are cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables include radishes, daikon radish, purple radish, watermelon radish, breakfast radish, and also things like cabbage, even kale, Brussels sprouts. What else? Broccoli, cauliflower. Those are all cruciferous vegetables. And I don't know the definition of that. (laughs) So I'm going to stop there. But what I do know is that all of those vegetables, um, especially turnips and radishes, contain... um, Cruciferous vegetables are unique in that they are a rich source of sulfur-containing compounds called glucosinolates. There it is. That import a pungent aroma and spicy, some say bitter, taste. Okay. So we're not crazy. So they all contain this compound and it gives the scent of like spiciness. But when you taste it, they're not necessarily, unless certain radishes, again, can be very, very spicy. But when cooked, that compound is sort of softened. So that's why oftentimes, like if I give a recipe for something like buttered turnips or like buttered radishes that are sort of sauteed or roasted, 
if you're having aversion to that intense spiciness or pungency, try roasting them or putting them in a soup or a stew because that really mellows out. Arugula, if you're like, wow, raw, that's too spicy for me, wilt it into a soup or stew, it becomes more like spinach. So heat sort of mellows out and so does fermentation. It like breaks down that compound. So I don't know, food changes, ingredients are wild, chemicals are insane. Life is a mystery. I don't know. Hi, Allison. This is Olivia calling from Montreal, Canada. And I am calling you for your advice when it comes to salad and specifically salad as a meal. When it comes to weeknight dinners, my husband absolutely loves having a salad for dinner and he could have salad for dinner every night during the week, mostly because he thinks it's a nice healthy option and he doesn't feel too full afterwards. But I find it to be rather boring and I feel uninspired. So I'm calling you to see what you consider to be some of the staples when it comes to a good hearty salad. I'm looking for ways to jazz it up and keep it fresh and interesting. So uh, any thoughts around some key components to have on hand to make a salad fun and filling? Because a lot of the time when I have salad for dinner, I find myself having a bowl of cereal half an hour later. Thank you so much. And I love your podcast. Bye. Mm, Thank you. Um, Well, I've never been full from a salad in my fucking life. So Delaney, are you a salad girly? No. No, no, no. And it's so funny. It's like, I dated the salad guy. Like I know exactly where she's coming from. He was like, the only healthy thing Mm -hmm. is a salad. Like somebody told him that, you know, 25 years ago and he just like, you know, stuck with that. Um, I'm, I'm not really a salad girly unless there's, it's pretty carby. I like a grain salad or a salad with grains. I recognize those are two different things or like, um, like a like a potato <laughs> or something in there, uh, you know. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. Like a a, a a dainty salad. I have like a, a, a vendetta against dainty salads as any sort of main. Like that is for fun. A dainty salad is for fun, not for 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 full. It's a snack. <laughs> yeah, it's a snack, and it's not for full. It's definitely not for full. I I've never, other than like a big cob salad, which is basically like. Uh, which I I do like once a year when I have a weird <laughs> craving for it. <laughs> Lobster like, cob. Salad for dinner is not on the table. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's scallops in there. No. Sure, sure. There, it's not for me. The way that I get around it though, because I do like having a salad with dinner. I just don't want it to be the main thing. I mm-hmm. think you have to kind of trick him and be mm-hmm. like, yes, we're having a salad for dinner. And there's like a chicken cutlet next to it or something. But really what you're making for dinner is like spicy chicken piccata, or like crispy chicken cutlets or crispy pork cutlets. And then there's like a salad on the side. And he can assemble it however he wants. But like what we're really dealing with here is like a beautiful cutlet or mm-hmm. like other other sort of like thing with salad on the side. I think like sort of that would drive me crazy. And I'm really glad that I don't have to cook for somebody that thinks in that way only because I'm like, let's have a soup. Let's have a mm-hmm. anything like a, a little layer of boiled sliced potatoes with like peppery greens on top and like some tuna or like tinned fish. Like that feels fun to me. And like, sure, you can call it a salad. Redefine salad. What mm-hmm. is a salad? It's uncooked or sometimes cooked but cold or like right. just be like, yeah, that is a salad. I'd be like, I thought we were having salad for dinner. And you're like, this is a salad. 
It's just like a salad with grains or it's a salad with potatoes or it's, yeah. If you're cooking, you get to make that call, right? If he wants a salad every night, just be like, you handle the salad (laughs) and I will handle Mm -hmm. the other stuff, right? Yeah, pasta salad, also salad. Like trick him. Let's just what we're telling it up you here. to do is trick him. <laughs> lie. Is lie and trick him, yes. <laughs> lie, trick him, etc. Okay, next caller. Hi, Allison. This is Quinn. I'm calling from the San Juan Islands in Washington State. And I'm always staring at your Chemex situation in the back of your videos and I just want to know more, please. Um, What is the warmer thing that it is sitting on? And do you like the reusable uh, cone filter thing? Because my husband and I are having a hell of a time using the reusable filter. It just like takes a hundred years to make a cup of coffee. I don't know if it's clogged or what's the deal, but we clean it really well and had to switch back to paper and... Yeah, so what's going on with the warmer thing? I know that it can go directly on a gas burner, but I'm kind of scared of doing that. And basically hoping you can give a little rundown of your coffee routine, I guess. Hopefully that's not a lame question. But if one person has it, maybe two people have it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, I love this question because I have an answer. And we'll put these links in our show notes. Note to self and producers. We will put these in the show notes. So the reusable coffee filter I have is a Barista Warrior is the brand. And it is like chic and beautiful and like copper. It comes in, um, I'm looking at their site right now. They have like, comes in black and silver and rose gold and also regular gold. It's not real gold. It's $35. I'm obsessed with it. The reason I have one is because I live right down the street from a coffee shop that is a zero waste coffee shop. And the woman who owns it is always like, did you bring your coffee cup? And I'm always like, no, I forgot. And she looks at me and I feel shame. Oh no. She's like, at least. And then one day I was like, do you have coffee filters? She's like, I have a reusable coffee filter. (laughs) And I was like, Okay. And <laughs> and finally decided to like part ways with my brown paper filters and give it a shot. But I love it. It like, I put the coffee grains in it. My coffee brews in the exact same amount of time as it did before. I don't have that like weird paper taste from the brown paper filters. And it, I dump out the grinds and I rinse it and that's it. It's like beautiful. And I had it forever and I haven't spent a dime on any paper filters or put any trash in the trash as a result And I feel really good about that. The second part is my little plate warmer is called, I think it's, I don't know what it's called actually. It's from Nordicware. Nordicware heat tamer. Heat, like heat tamer, like lion tamer. Love. It is something that I stick on my burner and on the lowest, lowest heat. And I put my Chemex over it and it gently warms the coffee that's inside because it takes me all day to drink a pot of coffee. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And I don't always, I don't like leave it on all day. I turn it on when I want to heat the coffee. My advice there though is like, don't walk away because you don't want your coffee to boil. For us plebeians, can you just give like a rudimentary explanation of how a Chemex works? I have no idea. And I'm just like, they're so sexy and I kind of want one, but I don't oh. know how it works. Oh my God. Yeah. What? How do you make your coffee? Do you go out for it? I'll go out for it. I'll go to, uh, you know, what? Uh, place right here, or I'll go to like a blue bottle, or I will do a French press. 
Okay. I prefer the Chemex to a French press because the French press is so messy to me. It's like the water mixes with the grinds and it's like gets everywhere and it's like always annoying to clean. I never know like how long to let it sit before I press. I just like, I used to be a French press person and now I'm a Chemex person. But all you do is you pour the, Jen's husband weighs out his coffee beans. (laughs) LOL. Sorry, I know that because he's a good friend of mine and we've spent many mornings together making coffee and he fully will weigh out the grinds to like put in the Chemex. I'm not that precious. I sort of eyeball it and I will put the grinds and fill it to a certain level. And then I have a a nice coffee grinder that's just set. I don't like change the setting. So I know Mm -hmm. that it's like the right grind for the Chemex. And then I take my water and it comes to a boil. I take it off the heat and I pour it over. I let it sit for a second. You're supposed to like bloom the coffee, but that's like the similar practice to a French press where like Mm -hmm. you add the water, you let it sit and then you press. So Mm -hmm. for this, you like pour the water over, you let it bloom and then you continue to pour the water over like every now and then. If you watch them at Blue Bottle, that's basically what I'm doing at home. I am Blue Bottle. Okay, It's me, Blue Bottle. (laughs) This is Blue Bottle. That's... Okay, that yeah. feels like more accessible because I think I really want one. I love the way they, they they look on a counter and ultimately that's why I buy anything is for how it looks and how it makes me look. Well, if you don't like the way, yeah. And if you don't like the way something looks in your kitchen that you're using every day, you shouldn't own it. Mm-hmm. Or you should be able to be like, it's ugly as hell and I love it. Like you, got, you <laughs> should right. feel a way about it. You should be like, I love it because it's beautiful or like it's ugly as sin and I still love it. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? It's on your counter. Like, I don't believe in hiding the things. Like, keep it displayed. Right. Keep all oh, your God. stuff displayed everywhere for everyone to see. Yeah. And I feel Let's like- stop hiding. I have that with my, like, toothbrush and water pick situation. I'm like, it is ugly as sin. And what, what you know, I have to hide that. Are you a water pick person? I have to be because of my eroding gums. <laughs> It's crazy. You're like, I have receding gums. Ask me anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to be like, it'll get better, but I don't know if it does. Um, I don't know. And I feel like I'm going to have dentures in 10 years. We'll check in. I'll let you know. Well, I think your teeth look great to me, but I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Delaney, thank you so, so much for being a part of the show. You are hilarious and your advice is extremely good and... Everyone is very lucky to have heard from you, I think. Oh, thank you so, so much for having me. This is actually a dream come true, very surreal. And I want to get like a, a proper cocktail when I'm in New York soon, if you'll have me. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Maker's Mark. Solicited Advice is hosted by me, Allison Roman. Our podcast is produced by Jennifer Sullivan with the help of Elena Rodriguez-Via. Technical production and editing is handled by Red Rock Music, and our theme music was created by Yosef Monroe. You can watch a video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel. And for questions, sponsorship inquiries, or anything else, please visit us at allisoneroman.com slash podcast. <laughs>